Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fraud Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And in this episode, we're going to come at you with a topic that uh, John hit me out of left field with, but that I think is really worth discussing. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Don't you make Praise Dale Earnhardt noises at me the first 30 seconds. Praise Dale, Praise Dale. The first 30 seconds of this show. Good God, we're going to get demonetized by some weird YouTube rule. Jokes on you, we don't make no money anyways. Let's go. <laughs> We've made negative money, actually. Um, but uh, John came at me with the idea of talking about uh, specifically Warhammer, well, not Warhammer, but Wargaming apps. And, uh, you know, if in a hypothetical world I had a magic wand and I could use said magic wand to just like make apps how I wanted, what would I put in my ideal wargaming app? And uh, by God, after thinking about it, I think there's actually some gas in that tank. Because, like, it's especially in modern wargaming, it's one of those things I feel like we interact with more and more and more uh, and are very much not created equal. And maybe, may, just maybe, this could be a touchstone for people who are pondering developing apps in the future uh, and maybe in some tiny tiny way we'll be able to help voice some opinions that could actually make the wargaming sphere just a little better for folks which would be pretty cool and maybe you're out there and you've also had this conversation with yourself or maybe your bud and this is just going to sit to like validate you or maybe we'll talk about some like games gone by who knows we're going to talk about a whole bunch today or maybe you you think that we're dumb because we forgot some obvious stuff and that's also verily likely uh but before you call us mean words in the comment sections we got to talk about hobby time and games played all right john what you been up to uh well first off i've been priding myself on being dumber than a sack of potatoes and i'm a huge fan of that <laughs> i don't it, is that a hobby I, prefer, I I guess it's a hobby. Being it's dumb my can hobby. be a hobby. I fucking hope it is. <laughs> Being dumb is a hobby, I guess. It's an aspiration, all right? Uh, the, no, I've, I've been a hobby. I've been working on my Slaves to Darkness. Uh, converted up two different characters, a Chaos Lord and a Chaos Sorcerer, both on foot out of Stormcast models, mm-hmm. uh, and Chaos Chosen bits, and just Chaos bits in general. It's very fun. Um, painted up some Ogroid Myrmidons and some Chaos Warriors and uh, some Chaos Knights. Uh, none of them are done, but the Ogroids are waiting to do like a batch enamel wash on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And all of the base coat of the armor is done for the Knights and the Warriors. And a bunch of the gold trim and like silver bits and some little doodads are done for the Chaos Warriors. So... A lot of progress trying to get this 750 point escalation list ready for, you know, the mortal realms. Yeah, and I'm, that's probably going to end up an episode topic all its own. <laughs> you know, running a league and what our experience is like and maybe some, like, learned lessons. Um, yeah, and um, 
I've also started looking into how many Battletech mechs can I fit on a single build plate. A lot. Because I'm... Uh, yeah. A lot. <laughs> and I got... I got two printers. Uh, I'm I'm gonna be dropping in like thirty mechs in like two days. <laughs> good lord! Uh, so it's gonna be a good time because uh, like I think I want to try out this Alpha Strike like cut down rules for BattleTech. I think that sounds really fun, and uh, because it's three D printing, it's pretty cheap, mm-hmm. and I can just enjoy some big robot. And for those who don't know. Me and Joe here play a ton of the big robot game online, so why not also do it in the meat space? It's true. We do play just a shameful amount of MechWarrior online. We will sort of like take these little breaks where we won't touch it for a while, but no one ever uninstalls MechWarrior. Uh, and then <laughs> one day, like Michael Buble feeling that it's the 1st of December, we step out of our cave and begin to shout at with all the other papas. In the general chat. Uh, and it always, play Big Robot until our eyes bleed. It always happens with like one of us. Like one of us will be like, I'm going to load it up and see what's up. And then out of nowhere, a bunch of other people come out of the woodwork and join in Discord and all load in and join each other's group. And then someone hits play on like a 2007 Lamb of God album and we just <laughs> ride our mechs to the pits of hell. <laughs> it's great. It's I've never once had someone message me and go, hey, would everyone like to play some Mech Warrior? No, 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 no. One person boots it and a call of Gondor goes, like just a horn that pierces our souls and everyone <laughs> comes running to the trailer park because we all know shit's about to go down. It's a great time. I, I actually, like, I don't recommend MechWarrior to people who aren't into big robots. It's a weird place. And it's only played by, like, Germans and Papaws from Tennessee. I don't know why, but it that's amazing. Uh, but if you love big robots, it is 100% for you. God, it is. It or really is. Or if you're is. like me, and you have a deteriorating ability to play first-person shooters, it's also for you. <laughs> yes, it's much more about positioning rather than, like, Twitch shooting. So if you're not a like a quick snap shooty no scope compilation person, uh, but you would rather just kind of like think about a battlefield and make tactical movements with some like just a couple of people, that's where it's meant to be. Cause it's not a high level of like mechanical skill. It's much more just game knowledge, which is fun. It's really it's really just world of tanks, but with big robots. Yeah. It's great. It's world of tanks for people who are cool. Um, so give it a, I didn't know we were plugging Mech Warrior, but we're plugging Mech Warrior, but also it does have a tabletop. So it's hobby adjacent. Ha ha. Uh, listen, if playing Mech Warrior ends up being hobby progress, oh buddy. Oh my God. My hobby progress is gonna (laughs) skyrocket. Um, I don't think it is hobby progress, John. I think painting little mechs is hobby progress, but just playing Mech Warrior, probably not going to fly with the listeners. Don't you take this from me. I I don't want to. I want this for me, but for the sake of honesty, I've just got to... i got to say it, John. I've just got to say it. I don't make the rules. The people make the rules. So what else do you do? Anything else? Not really. I haven't really gotten to play a ton of games. Uh, I was sick for a bit, so, like, real bad congestion, real bad, like, not ability to be around people, because that's just the smart thing to do. So I just kind of sat around and painted some miniatures, played some video games, and uh, I'm going to be playing some more games soon. It's going to be good. 
What about you? Oh, you know, um, I've actually been doing quite a bit of hobbying, uh, both on like minis and stuff, but also on my computer, which uh, has been having problems for a little while. And I will spare the listeners the freaking tale of this upgrade. Uh, but in the end, over two days, uh, I ended up replacing the processor, the motherboard, the RAM, the power supply, uh, and then, you know, everything except for the GPU and the hard drives. Uh, and then did a full clean reinstall because I was noticing issues with processing times. Uh, and like games were stuttering and the podcast even was difficult sometimes just because it would take a while to like compile and upload and whatnot. Um, and then looking at it, I realized, you know, my processor was almost 10 generations old, so I should do something about that. And I did. And I'm going to claim it as hobby progress. Uh, it was an ordeal. Like you, you did go on your own like odyssey. Uh, yes. To build this computer. So I'm going to go ahead and count it. <laughs> some laughing, some crying, some screaming. It was totally fine. Um, <laughs> 17 voice messages later. <laughs> Joseph just is a mad, screaming man. Just, why won't it fucking boot? <laughs> I found why it would fucking boot. It's because the BIOS didn't like having two sticks of RAM in it. You only had to have you're only allowed to have one stick of RAM in it, and in a particular slot, neither pieces of information were in the boot manual. You had to find it in a damn Reddit thread, and I didn't even find it. My wife found it. Um so I I got it to work. It's fine now. It's totally fine now. But there was some like manic laugh crying for a little while there. It was totally cool. Um, I also have been working on my stuff for that 750 point, uh, escalation league list. Uh, people told me they wanted to see me play spooky boys. So I am playing soul blight grave lords. And the best way I could describe them is if a generic spirit Halloween store decided it was going to go to war. It is like vampires and zombies and like wolves and ghosts and Old dudes with weird sticks that sit out and scare children. Like, it's that's the army. It's it's a time. It's a time. Uh, so I have been working on that for the entirety of the past two weeks. Um, first and foremost, uh, my wife painted and based like 60 zombies, but they were zombicide zombies because we had them lying around. Uh, and they come on these like little flat, bases like they aren't on a base like you think of it that like has a lip and lifts the mini up it is just a flat piece of plastic or resin that it sits flat on the table and that's difficult to put a magnet on because then nothing will sit flat so uh, i took the time to put all of those on 25 mil bases and ta-da now they're game ready um i also started uh, building a Vangorian Lord and then kit bashing it to make it look much more metal and brutal to fit my story. So I spent uh, a day or two doing that. Uh, did a head swap, did some arm repositioning, uh, replaced a hand and sword and green stuffed over that to like ease that transition to make like some bracers and whatnot to get it all together. Uh, and then I have spent the rest of my hobby time painting the crap out of that thing to get him ready. Uh, named Ibram Gorovich. Uh, 
I'm going to have like a number of vampires in the forest, but that will be the first one that everyone will meet. The sort of ghost of Christmas past, if you will. Uh, there will be more specters coming in the night, I assure you. But he'll be leading the force. So I wanted to really take the time to experiment with his paint scheme and to go above and beyond with all sorts of hand-done highlights and feathering and blending and the works. Which turns out is time-consuming. But had a really good time regardless. And he's not quite done, but he is almost there. I've got to go in and wash the horns and sort of blend that out to give the horns a little bit of interest and some cloth. Uh, I think I'm also going to... Like, the tips of his wings are sort of like these deep red spikes. And I think I'm going to go in and do like a, just a little edge highlight to show those like pointy bits on him. Uh, and then maybe like a thin, 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 thin wash on the skin that I did some blending on to bring it all together. As like a thin sort of mattening layer to make it all look cohesive. Um, but it's been a lot of effort, but a shockingly good time. I'm actually really excited to get started on uh, Age of Sigmar Escalation. And then you'll probably hear a lot of games played coming out of that. So more coming soon. Uh, and just a little shout out because this is Kentucky Fried Wargaming. Uh, I also took time to go to the uh, Oddities of Curiosities Expo in Louisville. Uh, and if there are other people out there listening who are from Kentucky, uh, that expo was cool as hell. Go give that a look next year when it comes back through. I mean, like, all sorts of stuff, dark and spooky. Everything from, like, wet specimens to taxidermy, uh, old medical implements, a lot of, like, dark and wonderful art, handmade monsters and uh, clothes and horror movie memorabilia and masks and, like, costumes, the whole nine yards. I mean, everything, like, dark, spooky, alt, or witchy you could find there. Yeah, we're going to have to hurry up and monetize this podcast so that this time next year... I can afford to buy a taxidermy raccoon God. Uh, and put like a cigarette in one hand, like a Mountain Dew in the other, put a little wine shirt on him. There was a raccoon that was taxidermy that they had stuffed his hand in a box of Bunch of Crunch. Uh, and I did take a picture and send it to John saying, it feels like you're here. Um, it's true. It did. It was I the was vibe. There. The little guy was having a great time in his afterlife, I tell you. Um, but yeah, just like the quickest little shout out. If y'all are like into dark or alternative or spooky stuff, like go there. It's a great time and it'll be coming back to Kentucky next year. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately I haven't had games played, um, in all of the busyness of like going to that expo and rebuilding the computer and all of this painting. And then the Super Bowl was just yesterday as we're recording this, whoop, whoop. um, just no time. So uh, games coming up soon. But when I play those games, let's talk about maybe what I might like in a nap. All right, John. So in terms of a hobby app, why in the hell are we talking about this? Like, what makes this important? So I think... The biggest reason it's important is because it's inevitable, right? Like we are going to continue having these apps because we live in a digital age and I don't think we're ever going to go back to just using paper <laughs> and rule books <laughs> to make army lists and like distribute rules to one another. Like I know some of the bigger names still use paper back hard 
rule books, but even they are switching to a more digital format in a lot of ways. And I think that it's there's a reason. And the three big ones for me is that having an army builder that validates what you are making as legitimate and good and within points value and within like the standard army building rules is good, prevents errors. Um, and it normally provides like a version of a lightweight, quick access to rules. It doesn't require you to have like 17 rule books with you at all times. Yeah. That's a big one for me. Um, I think, and especially in like the age of rapid FAQs, uh, the way apps handle those FAQs really matter. Yes. And it also provides like rules transparency in gameplay, right? It's a lot easier to show somebody something on your phone or even like screenshot and send it to them on Messenger or something as opposed to like, okay, let me flip through these this 200-page rule book, find this thing. Hey, here it is. Like that, that takes more time. It can kind of be cumbersome. And the app's just useful. I mean, we we use apps for basically everything. We can just we use them here, and it makes sense. So we've been doing it for a long time now. Yeah, I think the reason it really matters. I mean, as John said, we are all of these games are going to an app in some form or another. They just are. Um, and not only are the manufacturers going to apps, but more and more, I notice players going to apps. Um, whether that's Wahapedia or whether like your particular games manufacturer has their own specific app or if it's a sort of amalgamation app like Battlescribe, which has multiple game systems and they are updated by the community. Um, when I go to the game store to play games and look around, every person has a phone or tablet up looking at rules. <laughs> it, it may not be the only rules reference they have depending on the game system, but Oftentimes it is just because of the, how much more efficient it has become. And I feel like if something's going to be that vital to our community as a whole, as we try to play these games together going into the future, it's worth talking about what makes them good. So we can try to help developers to bring them to where we want them to be. They want to make good apps. We want to use good apps. Like we could try to bridge this gap with stuff like this. And I think that's worth discussion. Um, even more so in rapid rules release worlds. You know, like the rapid rules release world we live in. Holy cow, that was hard to get out. Um, it really matters how these apps handle that stuff. Because uh, it can be hard to keep up with. And like one of those friction points, for example, is do they integrate the changed rules? Or do you need to go look those up separately? That could really change the validity of an app. And this is a good conversation. Well, this would be a good time for us to have that conversation to maybe get that information out there or to just make y'all aware that it might be something you need to double check the apps you use for. Yeah. Uh, there's been multiple times where like there will be something I'll read in a book and it'll say one thing and the app will say something different and then I have to look up in a third source to see if the FAQ is right. Yes. Um, it's it's like kind of like a constant thing, but so we know why they're important now, Joe. Yeah, right. I hope maybe I've made a I I wouldn't say it's like an A plus argument for why apps are really valid for the community, but like a Listen, solid this is a, B minus effort. 
this is a B minus podcast, you know, like it's fine. Yeah, we're not striving but, for any more. Okay, we're barely on no, AB no, no. honor roll, and that's enough to not have people on our back. Like that's fine. Yeah, yeah. So what's what's some of the apps you've used as like in your wargaming career? Because I've used quite a bit. And I think I've played for longer than you have, so I, I have a little bit more experience. But what are some of the ones that you've used? Not necessarily that you've used and liked, but I've used. <laughs> they are not all created equal. Um, the first one uh, is Battlescribe. Uh, I still use that, depending on the game. Uh, I also use the first edition of the uh, Age of Sigmar app. They called it the Azir app. Uh, got into that when I first got into Age of Sigmar. Uh, now I also, instead of those, find myself using the website-based app off of the Warhammer community kit page that I only know how to find if I Google the words AOS War Scroll Builder, but that's a web-based app. Um, I've also been using the A Song of Fire and the A Song of Ice and Fire app, uh, the Infinity app, and then uh, also the Conquest Last Argument of Kings app sort of looking into that game, uh, as well as a, an online app builder for Star Wars Legion. But again, that's uh, web-based rather than like an actual downloadable phone app. So, I mean, almost 10 of these things I think I've used at this point. Not an exhaustive list of all of the different app builders, but hopefully enough of a smattering for me to have some perspective on friction points that I have with some of them as well as some like big thumbs ups that some of them can pull off. Yeah. And like, I've, I've used most of those as well. I think the big one everyone's used is Battlescribe. Like I think everyone who's done wargaming at some point has had Battlescribe on their phone and oh, use yeah. it. And they probably try to use it as much as possible because it's a nice way of combining a lot of these all together into one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially handy. because it's community updated, which can help some of the stuff get done faster than like a, a big, multinational corporation could maybe do huh okay for reasons that are beyond our comprehension uh i work the... at a giant company i do understand unfortunately that's within my comprehension <laughs> <laughs> i wish it wasn't but i get it and uh i also use you know the i use the gw apps every once in a while um i think they have their uses they're notoriously kind of bad for different things but they're they're neat. Mm-hmm. Um, the Song of Ice and Fire app, which is currently my favorite one to use, like I think that is the like the thing the other app should aspire to be. It, it does everything I want it to for the most part. There's the only thing I wish is that there was more functionality. The functionality it does have is pretty intuitive and good. Yeah, I uh, and the UI in particular, well done. Like that's inspired. And one of the apps I used in the past that you can't use anymore because the game is mostly dead, even though they're trying to re-release it, is Warmahords, the old Warmahords app, which was one of the first apps. And it was very good for its time. And I actually think there's some functionality that that app had that we could use in the future. Well, and like speaking of functionality it had that we could use in the future, like let's just jump into the meat and potatoes of this. Like... So we've used a bunch of apps and we like things from different ones and we dislike other bits from them. When you go to envision your dream app, like what do you think are the big hit points that matter the most? And like, so you want me just, I mean, like we could, 
you don't have to necessarily like rapid fire all of them, but we can work our way through. Well, I think the first one, I think you'll agree with me on this one, is fully accessible rules with updated FAQs. Yes. And I mean, like, if I buy your models, I shouldn't have to pay for your rules in a digital format to play your game. Like, the the, uh, buying a box to playing a game with another person should be as as few barriers as possible to get me playing games, making me want to get buy more models, right? Yes. Uh, on the flip side, I am fine with paying for rules if it's like a miniature agnostic game, right? Like if you're offering me the service of like constantly updated rules to use whatever models I want with, but you're not trying to sell me models, I'm willing to pay for that, right? I think there is a difference there. But both of those have the same thing in common in that all the rules should be fully accessible easily without having to jump through a bunch of hoops. Like I shouldn't have to go out and buy a physical book, then upload a code into an into a like web browser link, then double check the app that I pay a subscription to uh, subscriptions fee to use. Right? Yeah, that's too much. I, it's just too I much. I shouldn't have to download Battlescribe and then download a data pack and then update that data pack and double check to make sure that that data pack has been updated within the time frame in which my new rules have came out. Like, it should be a much simpler process for all of these games. Uh, I think some of them do it well, but some of them just don't. Like, even A Song of Ice and Fire, it took months for them to put one of the factions, like, new units. It did, yeah. Onto the app. Uh, The timely update there was one of my pain points for A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, But I think the thing it does well is there is a button that just says rule book. So... Like, it does a good job of having references and stuff there, but if you need to see the full unabridged rule book, you hit a button, and then boop, boop, right there it is. On your phone or your tablet or your whatever, the rule book will pop up in PDF form. You could scroll through it, read whatever you need to, hit back, and now you're right there at your list screen. Um, That's amazing, (laughs) and it's up to date. So if there are FAQs or rules changes... You don't have to go to a third-party site and check that those FAQs are incorporated because that's a giant pain, Uh, especially when some of the changes in an FAQ is like change two words and an ability, which might not trigger your attention that something has changed Uh, because it's like subtle changes. Just being able to hit a rule book and know that it's right is like number one on my list of things I want it to do. Uh, it is just the thing that takes the most time to resolve, I think is why it's so high up in my head. Cause if you do have a rules issue that you're trying to like work out at a table and you have to consult a white dwarf magazine and then an FAQ and then an app and then Wahapedia to like compare them all against each other, that's going to take forever. Uh, so I, the time savings there really matters. And also it cuts out a lot of frustration. Yeah. And like the, the updates have to happen, right? Like they're going to happen to these armies and these games and these things because there's different types of players who play these games and the wording isn't always perfect. I know that we used to play in a time where stuff was just allowed to be broken forever, but like we've moved past that. I think it's good that we have, we just need to find a way to clean it up in a way. Yeah, uh, if we don't, it becomes frustrating rather than a... It becomes sort of like a hindrance rather than a boon. You know, it's a benefit to be able to make these rapid-fire changes 
but you've got to make sure you don't sully that sort of new tool that you have. And yeah. I think this is a great way to start. And uh, speaking of not sullying things, I think the next point, too, you'll agree with, which is a clean army builder with like a very functional and usable UI. It doesn't require too many jumping through hoops or like in into like unintuitive army creation. Uh, for me, that includes like an option between like having pictures for units and having a like more slimmed down version because there's different people out there who need different things. A newer player wants to have the pictures of what the thing is so they know what they're using. Uh, an older player might not need that and slimming it up will make it faster and more easier for them to use. Yeah, I think but that's a, great. Uh, yeah, we a, a good army builder is very important. Like it, yes, for me it is like it is number 2 on my list. Um and in particular, a thing I really really want in my army builder is as I'm assembling my list, you know, I list my hero and let's say I list a unit of swordsmen, uh I want to be able to click on the swordsman and then see all of the rules for the swordsman. Um, so like, not only do I see the points for the swordsman in my full army scan, but I can, with a click of a finger now be at the tech, like the text or the war scroll card or the battle scroll, the whatever I'm looking at the rules for my unit, as well as any keywords and abilities that they might have floating down below as a quick explanation. Uh, so that if I have a question when I am playing the game about what my swordsmen do, everything is right there. I don't have to go anywhere else. Very friendly, very helpful. Um, this one is a thing that I've noticed uh, because most apps do it, but like, for example, that AOS War Scroll Builder, while I really like the army composition and I really enjoy how quickly the guy who updates that get like keeps things moving it, it, it's freaky fast he beats games workshops updates every time uh but you cannot see the worst like the rules for each unit in that app which is what holds it back <laughs> so you have this beautiful army builder that then stumbles at the finish line but unfortunately it's an important hurdle that you got to clear for me and I also yeah, and I, think it's just easier for like being able to pull up a unit's rules and turn the phone around to show your opponent. Yeah, and speaking of rules, I think the, the, the big thing for me, like the third one on my list, is tools within the app to help with like mechanical playing of the army. Mm -hmm. For especially for more complicated games like 40k or Age of Sigmar, I find often that like you lose a lot of what your army does, and you almost have to write it down on another piece of paper and like have a set of notes for what my army does or like the things to keep track of. Yeah. Which if we can use it all in one spot, it's much better, right? Like I, I want to be able to know, okay, I have these spells and I have these upgrades, these artifacts, these like stratagems I have access to. Like I should be able to just pick up the thing that I'm using and use it. Right. And like for games like a song of ice and fire, you have cards you use and I get that like you have to draw them and use them. But like, being able to see them in the app when you're building an army to see what synergies you have is very, very useful and shouldn't take like six steps when trying to build something. Yeah, because for example, like let's say you're trying to build a list for Song of Ice and Fire. You, you're trying something new that you maybe haven't played before and you're thinking, oh, well, like I'm going to pick my general 
well, I know what the generals do, but do I know every card each general comes to the field with? No, probably not. Almost certainly not. Uh, and you could go rooting through all of your physical cards to try to find them, or you could just have a button in the app that you could click, which the app does, which is so much easier. But it didn't for a while, to be clear. Yeah, that's true. And when they added it, it was a godsend. <laughs> it made it so much faster to try to like pick your general. So like these quality of life things, really helpful and everyone real appreciative when it finally came through. And it can it can go even further than that, right? Like having unit war scrolls and like maybe victory points tracker where you and your opponent can like put down how many victory points each of you have uh, and having like different trackers for your mechanics to help it make it like uh, Song of Ice and Fire... Greyjoys, right? The pillage mechanic. If I could just add pillage tokens to my, the unit on the app, that'd be useful. Yeah, or like that'd be immensely it, helpful. In, yeah, like it, adding tokens onto a thing physically is easy, but also having it in the app helps you keep track of it in a way that I wish that more apps allowed you to do. Or, like, let's say you're playing Warhammer and you have a big monster of some sort that gets weaker as it gets more hurt. What if in the app, you could just tell it how many wounds it has suffered and it updated your stat line as you went? Like That, that would be helpful. <laughs> and what if when you updated all of these things and these war scrolls in the app, you could share the live changing of those changes with your opponent across from you who can then also see it? without having to ask you every 10 minutes what's going on with something. They can just look at it on their own, on their own phone. Yeah, I think that touches on another one for me that I really want, is uh, the ability to, like, build, obviously build everything together, but then to legibly and clearly export lists to send to another person, whether that's a PDF or a screenshot or, like, a whatever. Um I think this is super helpful when you're going to go play a pickup game to just be able to print out your list and go, oh, here you go. Here's my list. Or to like message it to someone or send it to a tournament organizer if you're going to go to a tournament. Like there's there's a ton of times where this is very helpful to do. Uh, or even just live streaming it to each other, like a live changing document. I mean, we have it in other places, all over the place in different technologies. We could make it in an app with a lot less like and more controlled data. Like, it's doable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, like, there are things in here, but I will settle for, like, a PDF output. But it's got to be a good one. Because, God, some of these out, like, some of these exports are horrendous. Like, Battlescribe? Look at uh -huh. you, Battlescribe. Good Lord. Uh, I, my buddy, Lucas. Friend of the show, Lucas. Sweet, precious, baby Lucas. One of the best people to play with. Uh... He's so kind, and he really does try to make a good experience for everyone, especially when he was learning. Uh, and when he was showing up to a learner game for me to help teach him, uh, Lucas, not knowing any better, had just printed all of his rules for Battlescribe. And it was like he was trying to play the game and trying to look at what his stuff did, but he probably spent a solid 20 minutes of that game flipping through his eight sheets of paper trying to read this weird text where they have nestled different abilities uh and god it was it was painful it was just painful to watch 
Um, if you're gonna export rules, just make it useful for everyone. <laughs> make it readable. I don't think we're asking a lot, but it needs to be asked, so I'm asking. I think it that would make the app much more user-friendly. Uh, and then I think the last one, uh, John briefly mentioned it earlier, but like for me, all of this stuff is cool, but if I'm paying you for models, this has to be free. I'm, I'm not paying you more. Like I'm just not. Um, most apps don't want you to, but Games Workshop really wants you to. They want to bundle it together with their like Warhammer subscription service, and that's the only way you can use their app. And most people seem to just go somewhere else uh, because their competitors are doing it for free. A Song of Ice and Fire, yeah. you don't pay anything. Infinity, you don't pay anything. Conquest, you don't pay anything. Battlescribe, you don't pay anything. It's all free. And I think that I think the conversation would be different for that too if you weren't also having to buy the rule book to have access to it within that app you pay a subscription service for. Yeah. It's like triple or quadruple dipping. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And it's just not it not good. The answer is, for me at least, is absolutely not. Um, like, I, I'm not going to buy your big, fancy, expensive rule book and pay your subscription. And, and then load all the codes in so I can see the War Scrolls. And get the, the privilege of using your War Scroll Builder. Just no thank you. Um, that's, for me, that's another important piece of this puzzle. To try to get, like, your... Your perfect application. Uh, yeah, I think removing all barriers of entry, uh, well, as many barriers to entry as possible to get more people playing the game is a good thing. And, and I think lots of tiny little barriers to entry makes it very hard into what is an already a hard ass to get somebody into these games. Because not like Magic, right? Like, you don't play a game of Magic. You'd be like, hey, buy these cards, put them in some sleeves, put them on the table, play a game. For these games, you're asking people to like buy miniatures, put them together, paint them, learn the rules, set out a period of time, build a table, put the models on the table, fight each other. Don't forget to paint the terrain pieces that you're going to put on that table. Uh, yeah. And also maybe buy the cool rule book and maybe buy your army book and maybe go find a magazine from a year ago. Uh, and maybe like a splat book as well. <laughs> and pull your rules reference from all of these locations. Like it's, it's, it's asking a lot. <laughs> we can make it better. This could definitely be better. But these are kind of like our core points, but I am sure that we have missed stuff because we have not used every wargaming app in existence. I'm sure they're like, just from the people listening to this right now, there are probably like a dozen more y'all could rattle off if you really wanted to that we just have never touched. And maybe they had some great ideas that we would miss entirely. And maybe you just, from your own head, have some cool ideas that we didn't even think of because we're smooth brain dum dums, which is we are fair. We are two chuckle fucks from Kentucky, so like it's fine. I went to public school. In you Ken got to go to public school? Yes, I'm from Florida, so I only got to go to Publix. Ah, that's what they do with the children in Florida. Was your teacher an alligator? No, it was a chicken tender sub. <laughs> At least they were delicious. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not big brain. So, like, there are probably great ideas I've missed. If you want to share them, y'all feel free down below. 
Um, but really, for me, the big one is uh, if y'all wouldn't mind, do the subscribe thing or leave a review. It really helps to, you know, spread the podcast around. Uh, we're a small show, and as we've mentioned, we make no money. So, like, just knowing that we're reaching more people is really helpful for us. Uh, and for now, that'll be all of our opinions. Bonafide and Kentucky Fried. I'll see y'all on the next one.